Thank you for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network, free and available where you find folks get your podcast. On today's episode, what on earth has happened to this team since the start and midway point of the season? And uh-oh, is, is this all starting to look like the, the later years of the Mark D'Antonio era as well? Hmm, let's find out. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan fans, how on earth are we doing on this fantastic Thursday? I hope we're doing a little better than uh, the last time we chatted after uh, just a fantastic uh, game against Penn State. Woo, yeah, that was so much fun. We were all in a great mood. Um... No, I could tell you that I'm in a better mood. Uh, did it take me an embarrassingly long time to get over that game? Sure, yeah, of course it did. Yeah, you guys know me. I'm very irrational. I'm emotional. And uh, put way too much stock in, in college uh, athletics. So here I am. But hey, you know what? I've made it through the tunnel. We're on the other side. Uh, spirits are kind of somewhat high right now, I guess. All right, um, on today's episode... Like I said, we're going to answer a few more mailbag questions and for different topics, like what on earth has happened uh, since you know Michigan State was a top 10 ranked team? Or, okay, the last few uh, years of the Tom Izzo era. Now, they're starting to remind us of the Mark D'Antonio later years as well. And then also a few mailbag questions in the third segment as well. But before we get to any of those, I just want to politely ask you to rate review, and subscribe to the podcast. As you already know, well, hopefully you already know, this is the Locked on Spartans podcast, and if you ever want to reach out, hit me up with a question at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. All right, so about eight seconds after the game uh, on Tuesday, I tweeted out, hey, lay down your takes for me. Uh, if you got takes, I, I want to riff about them on uh, the next episode because who wants to hear me just rambling about my own thoughts? For 30 straight minutes, I want to hear from you beautiful people. And uh, you guys came through, as you always do, because you guys are just, well, simply the best. And one of those topics that uh, I talked about was, okay, all the people talking about um, Michigan State's going to miss the tournament, or okay, they're going to play themselves into an NIT, or oh my god, I'm worried that they're going to be a bubble team again. And this is um, something that Stan Shock wrote in with uh, on Twitter today, after listening to that episode. And... We, we don't have memberships, like Lockdown Spartans memberships, but if we did have such thing, my man Stan would be a, a platinum, diamond, titanium, uh, card-carrying member of Locked On Spartans Nation. Uh, just a fantastic guy. Always comes through with uh, great questions, always listens. So he hits me up uh, on Twitter with this. I'm a little disappointed you use time on these, quote, they aren't winning another game, or quote, they aren't making the tournament takes. Uh, this is probably a 500 team the rest of the way, safely in. I'd rather hear you talk about what the hell happened from the non-conference schedule. And to hear that Stan's a little disappointed in me is like a parent telling me that they're a little disappointed in me. So a very familiar feeling, I should say. But no, that's uh, for one, one, first of all, like I, I did want to address the whole tournament thing just because I think a lot of fans are a little jumpy, especially after what happened last year, right? Uh, I Hey, take it from me, someone who is... Uh, very just jumping myself about the team. I just wanted to try to calm some people down and say, listen, if they win one game, they're probably in. If they can just win one of their, what, next seven games this season. Now, 
Let's dive into what Stan is asking. What the hell has happened <laughs> since the non-conference schedule from, like, when Michigan State was that top 10 ranked team? Like, oh my goodness gracious. Wheels have fallen off the bus. Spartans have lost three of their last four. And uh, really, each of those three losses is more head-bashingly bad than the one before it. So, uh, and when it gets to this point, when you're losing games to... Really a not a good Penn State team. When you're getting uh, really just wrecked uh, by Rutgers uh, on the road in Piscataway, which, uh, hey, n- never happens to any other top 20 ranked team. Let me tell you that if there's anything that uh, I just learned tonight on this beautiful Wednesday evening. Um, or just losing uh, a game at home that you're really like never really in at home against Wisconsin. How does this happen? Well, what has happened since our, our golden children of the green and white were ranked in the top 10? Well... Okay, well, when it gets this bad and looks this ugly, it's it's on everyone, right? It's it's not just going to be, oh, it's all on the coaches. They should fire Izzo. Like, this is the worst guy I've ever seen coach a basketball game. Like, Or it's not like, oh, these players are all trash. They all have no business playing the Big Ten. Like, no, everyone gets their own slice of the pie, right? And first and foremost, yeah, let, let's talk about our guy, Tom Izzo. And whenever I got to criticize him, it just makes me feel better to say this, that, yeah, he holds more basketball knowledge in his left eyelashes uh, than I do in my entire body. So, with that said, uh, let's let's question this guy a little bit, shall we? Um, no, I just think it's really bizarre. Um, there's no continuity with these lineups. I mean, just the Penn State game was, was a good example of it. And the lineup that played together the most was that starting lineup, which is common, but just throughout the rest of the game, no other lineup sticks together on the court for more than 90 seconds without just switching guys off. Like, there's no cohesion. There's no, like, chemistry within the game there if you just keep on flipping these guys out. Uh, you don't have trust in Marcus Bingham. Once again, playing just 15 minutes with no foul trouble to point to it either. Uh, listen, and I, I get that maybe some of it is on Marcus's shoulders, but, okay, it's not like you just have a treasure chest of big men to use. Yes, Julius Marble had, he had a fine game. First time in a while that he had a fine game, but man... You're really telling me you can't find more than 15 minutes from Marcus Bingham? Like, how bad can he possibly be? How many messages can you send before? Now you're just hurting your own team here. And also, we talked about this last week, and it's just the misses from recruiting. And no, it's not the guys that they didn't get, the the high four stars they missed out on or the five stars they missed out on. It's the guys that they did get that never really panned out to anything, right? Like Foster, you know? Hey, what could this team use right now? A, a consistent upperclassman point guard. Okay, that was supposed to be Foster Lawyer. That was a miss. He was not physically capable of playing in the Big Ten. Hey, this team could also use a veteran big man too to spell Marcus Bingham, especially when Julius Marble isn't playing up to snuff. Okay, that was supposed to be Thomas Kithier. Like, there's just misses all over the place. The transfers have not panned out the way that you hoped them to. I get that Tyson Walker's still in the middle of his first season, but I think it's kind of apparent that might be a little in over his head playing point guard at Michigan State under Tom Izzo, which I gotta say has gotta be a stressful situation. Um, not really necessarily faulting the kid completely, but yeah, that hasn't panned out. And listen, the Joey Hauser thing—that's—I I don't think that they got the player they really necessarily thought they were going to get. Although Izzo gives him the minutes like he is the player that they thought they're going to get. And really, if you want to go down the line here too, I don't necessarily think this Mati Sissoko thing's working out as fast as they thought it would either. He seems very behind as well. With that said, 
Okay, I, again, I got to say this too before I start talking. Um, these college athletes are trying so hard. Uh, they are working their tail off for our entertainment, and I am forever grateful of that. They are more athletic in uh, just probably rolling immediately out of bed than I will be with oh months of training leading up to a moment, if you will. That said, some of this is on the players. Uh, Gabe Brown, for example, uh, tale of two seasons right here. You want to know what happened between the non-conference and, well, January? Uh, Gabe might be a good indicator of this. Start of the season, up until the first game in January. And, uh, yeah, he was shooting it hot. He was 32 of 81 for 39%. 39% shooter from three behind the arc until January rolled around. Since January, which is 12 games... He is 19 of 57 for 33% shooting from behind the arc. And and I know this is unfair, but I'm just going to say it anyway. If you take away his Rutgers game, where he went 6 of 7, great performance. If you take that single game away, he's just shooting 26% since January. Again, that's not fair. That game did happen, so we should give him that. He's shooting 33% since. Not that great. What really uh, has my drywall dented in right now is that since January, yes, in those 12 games, he has just two games where he's attempted more than two free throws. He is a 90% free throw shooter. you got to find a way to get to the line. You just have to do it. I, I know that it's not really part of your game, but that's the problem. You've been here quite some time. How is that not part of your game yet when shooting free throws is such a strength? So on top of that, yeah, Max Christie, we've talked about him. He has the highest percentage of this team's minutes so far this season. Uh, yeah, he's a true freshman. The season's starting to weigh on him. I know it sounds like I'm giving him a pass, but really there is some credence to that, right? A, a true freshman coming in here and being shouldered with insane defensive uh, assignments, and now he's the leader in minutes on this team. And uh, yeah, of course he's going to tail off a little bit. Point guards has just been so shaky. Hogart is so up and down. Oh my God, and Walker, he just hasn't been right since early January. Yeah, hey, he had a nice second half against Indiana, but okay, yeah. And also, too, the, the non-conference, going back to it, maybe myself included looked at that non-conference in green-stained glasses a, a little too much. Bahamas is a very far way away. Listen, the, the Loyola game, awesome. The UConn win, still awesome. Really good wins. Um, but that Butler team that we played before Bahamas, they're terrible. Uh, Louisville is so bad that it's currently a quarter or a quadrant three win right now. And maybe once again, our glasses were a little too stained uh, of that green coloring for the Kansas game because it wasn't really that close of a game. Granted, it was the first game with a new, a new-ish roster starting. And that Baylor game, yeah, I know we were all fired up about the first half, but listen, they got the doors blown off them in the second half and maybe we took, put too much stock into that first half. So that's what's happened between then and now. I have no answers for it whatsoever, but that's just uh, the, the reason as to why things have gotten the way they are. Now, we're going to dive into two mailbag questions next segment that are really similar to each other. Uh, but first, need to talk to you fine folks about betonline.net. Woo! That's right, football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. So get the latest odds, totals, player performances, and also, where on earth is the next fired coach going to land? That's right, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sport betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. 
And it's not just football. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, your source for boxing, your source for UFC, your source for golf, and odds right to Olympic coverage and information. So head to the website today or use a mobile device to learn more about the trends and action at BetOnline where the game starts. All right, before diving headfirst back into our mailbag, hey, just want to thank you for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, I'm going to shout out the email address one more time, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. And these two fellas that wrote in are very similar emails, but also I heard, or not heard, but read some of these takes as well on Twitter after the Penn State game. So little lengthy emails, but bear with me because, you know, these guys share a lot of thoughts that I have as well, or a lot of questions, I guess. Um, Shane is going to be first to bat here. Uh, After watching MSU basketball the past few years, it seems more and more obvious to me that Izzo is going down the same path that D'Antonio did in his last few years at MSU. Both have failed to adapt to the changes in the game around them, like D'Antonio failing to make changes to the offense and the staff, and Izzo continuing to run a stagnant offense with too much standing around and very little movement and cuts. For Izzo's offense, there must be an elite point guard to help make up for these deficiencies for a lack of a modern offensive system. If you have someone like Cassius to play this role of hero ball in bailing out the offense, it works. But this, with recent recruiting misses, it seems like Izzo is going down the same path as D'Antonio as they were both too stubborn to adapt and go different ways than what originally brought them success. Okay, so before getting into that, we're going to funnel right into Riley's email, which is the 2016 class set us multiple years back for multiple reasons, and the 2018 recruiting class for basketball is doing the same thing. Kithier was supposed to be Costello. Binham was supposed to be Adrian Payne. And a lot of bust and flaw players in that recruiting class with no legit shooting ability. They needed developing, and Izzo didn't really develop them. Izzo hasn't been great on the recruiting trail this year as an exception, which leads to no one being able to manufacture their own shot in the half-court offense. D'Antonio lost his touch, and also, uh, Riley adds this as well, uh, D'Antonio wasn't bringing the same edge as years past, vocally and recruiting. Izzo sat on the bench and didn't say anything until Penn State took the late lead. Our guys take our feet off the gas and are surprised when we get down late. Then they look over at the bench to straight-faced Izzo sitting down. How many times can you say that's on me until it gets fishy? He looked like he could give a damn about what happened. You know what? You you know who loves just giving life lessons to a fault? I was going to say maybe sometimes to a fault. But no, it's not even sometimes to a fault. Just like to a fault. That would be one Tom Izzo. Because I could very well see him, and I think this is what happened in the Penn State game, and this is just speculation. I don't have any inside info or anything. This is just years, if not decades, of just watching the man coach, is that he loves a player-coach team. And yeah, I'm sure he's said a ton of stuff during practice or after some of these last few games that just aren't getting through to his guys. And he said, you know what, if you guys just want to just let another large lead melt away on the road to a very, very substandard team... You know, just kind of like you did against Maryland. Uh, do it. Fine. I, I want to see who's my dog. I want to see who the guy that's going to dig us out of here is. Because, eh, eh, I don't really feel like it right now. I think he knows that the Big Ten title is out of reach. That might have been a teaching moment to say, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to coach for a conference title right now. But you know what's a good lesson right now? Finding out how they're going to respond to this adversity because it'll come in March. Now, is that the correct way of coaching? 
I'm not going to say yes, but I'm certainly not going to say no, as, yeah, you know, Izzo's guy, he's been okay uh, in his last few years or decades here. But yeah, that's a very fascinating uh, way of coaching. Now, to, to get into both emails and is it the same as the late Antonio years or is it not, okay, here's some reasons why it could be the same. And also for everything that they said as well from uh, recruiting, just stubbornness. But yeah, it really is that. I mean, some reasons why it's similar. These are two legends uh, that are catching some bad moments late in their careers here. Now, we don't know if it's late in Izzo's career. He could go on for 10 more years for all I know. But what doesn't help him is that the Mark Antonio later years just happened. Like, if this Mark if Mark Antonio wrapped up his career in 2011, 11 years have passed by, and I think it would be so fresh in everyone's memory that, oh my god, we just saw one titan of our uh, university fall because of just horrible coaching and horrible recruiting late in the years, and oh my god, it's happening to our other program we cherish. Like, I, I think there's some reason to see worry right there because it just happened to Antonio as well. But also, you know, th these guys are both stubborn in their ways of how they coach and how they want their team to look. And also, just like football, this is largely the same staff as of late. However, I think it's way different, though, comparing a football coaching staff to a basketball one. You get three assistant coaches in basketball, whereas you get 10 on-field assistants in football. Mark D'Antonio had every reason to not just shuffle the chairs, but also let some people go and bring some new blood in those last years. Now, Izzo, on the other hand, one interesting thing is that, yeah, Dane Fife leaves, he goes to Indiana. You have a chance to bring in like new blood or a younger guy, but they bring back Mark Montgomery. Now, I'm not going to claim to say that, oh, Mark Montgomery is the reason that MSU is having their follies this season. Like, no. But it, it, that's a similarity in the fact that D'Antonio kept his guys around, Izzo's keeping his guys around, or if not, bringing them back. Now, I, I'm not going to, again, here, here's the other difference too. Uh... I'm not sure if firing Dwayne Stevens after he's been Izzo's right-hand man for 19 seasons uh, is a good idea or a rational idea. Yeah, last season absolutely positively sucked. Uh, the last few weeks have not gone bad. I, I don't think he's going to can Dwayne Stevens after 19 years just because of the last year and a half. Now, do this for another year, another two years, and okay. A dialogue could be had to maybe shake something up here, but... Yeah, I think it's also a little different too. And this was pointed out in one of those emails that recruiting has not been good with the exception of one year, which was written. And that is the big difference for me is that Izzo is still hot on the recruiting trail. Whereas D'Antonio really quite couldn't give a damn about recruiting. Um, and yeah, it was kind of like that his whole career, but really, really had a spotlight shined on it. Um, in those later years, didn't it? So Izzo right now, for the 2022 class, he's got Trey Holloman and then Jackson Kohler. Both those guys are top 70 recruits. Okay, 2023 is off to a hot start. You got Jeremy, Jeremy Fierce coming in. That's a top 30 ranked kid in the nation. I, I Listen, I, I know that it's not a, a Duke class where you're getting four or five stars or anything like that, but... And yes, I understand that 2018 had a ton of misses. Hell, we just talked about it about 10 minutes ago. But the effort is still there, and the drive is still there, and he's also getting the results too. Holloman's a solid pickup. Kohler's a solid pickup. Also, Jeremy Fears, a top 30 kid. Like I, I don't think recruiting is as bad as many are making it out to be for the future. 
The past is a different story. The 2018, that's a different story. But for the future of recruiting, that's the biggest difference there. So does this remind me of the later D'Antonio years? Like, not not, not really. To me, I'm going to need more than just you know one sample size of uh, a season and a half here. Maybe this is a complete disaster to end the year in these last six games, and then they flame on the Big Ten tournament immediately, and then, oh my God, they get 20-pieced in the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Then, then maybe I start to... We'll look at that a little closer, but no, I think recruiting's in a way better place for basketball than it was in football. And yeah, they're just taking it on the chin for one bad recruiting class in 2018, which I, that doesn't absolve him because that's well his job to recruit. So, thirty percent, no, twenty percent, yes, I, I see the similarities between Izzo and Antonio. Eighty percent, no, not really, but. Eh. Uh, this opinion is subject to change in the future. All right, guys, we're going to be hitting the mailbag uh, once again for a few more fun questions. Hopefully, uh, we can put a smile on our face heading out into the weekend. Uh, but first, hey, let's hear from some fine, fine sponsors. All right, let's round out this day with some more mailbag questions. Once again, locked on Spartans at gmail.com. We'll be doing some more questions tomorrow. Uh, next week, we'll have a lot more guests. We, we did not have a lot of guests this week. Because, truth be told, uh, I am recording from vacation uh, in Florida and just arranging guests and trying to shoot for their times with uh, where I'm going to be, which is a a lot of theme parks, to be honest. Very tough to get a lot of guests that want to record at like 11 p.m. or uh, 7.30 in the morning. So we'll be hitting the guest once again hard next week. But tomorrow's show... Going to do the Illinois preview. We're going to do some more questions. Or if any news pops up, yeah, you already know that we are going to be hitting that as well. Okay, so Thomas hits me up. And this is before the Penn State game. Uh, just wanted to submit a question for a future mailbag episode. Well, Thomas, you found the right place. I was just thinking about how chippy the game versus Indiana was this past weekend. Are there any Big Ten basketball matchups outside the typical rivalry games that you enjoy just for how competitive slash petty slash chippy they get? The pod's been great lately. Thanks for all the work you put into it. Thomas, thanks for just being you, man. Really do appreciate those kind words and appreciate the question. Um, I've got two, and one of them just might be a bona fide rivalry at this point. It's the MSU-Wisconsin matchup because they just always seem to deliver for better or for worse. Like, for better? Yeah, hey, that was a lot of fun. Clapping uh, Wisconsin on that Friday evening not too long ago. And then on the flippity-flop. Boy, was that miserable. Uh, seeing Wisconsin return that favor at Breslin Center, well, not too long after. So, yeah, I feel like MSU-Wisconsin, very, very good matchup every single time those teams meet up. As far as pettiness, chippiness, competitiveness, MSU-Iowa also makes that list for me. Uh, and I think something has to do with just how fiery both coaches are. I mean, I remember being in the zone when Fran McCaffrey was getting his start at Iowa, where he almost threw a coach's chair or a stool, like just clean through the floor at Breslin Center. He's he's a maniac that the fans don't like him uh, in East Lansing, and for good reason. And for some, I, I can't figure out why, but like I feel like when MSU travels to Iowa City, it is like Satan and his disciples have rolled in because they are just so hated in Iowa City. I don't know what we've done to the Hawkeyes to deserve this ire, but whatever. Hey, it is what it is. And uh, they don't respect us. And quite frankly, I hey, I don't have a problem with their football program for the most part. 
maybe more than a touchdown in the Big Ten championship game this uh, last December would have helped. But for the most part, yeah, okay, fine. Football program is what it is. I just cannot respect that basketball program down there. I, you know, okay, I get it. Luca Garza, fine player, retires number. Maybe wait until after the tournament or also maybe wait to extend Fran McCaffrey until after the tournament before you flame out after giving up, what was it, 287 points to Oregon in the second game of the tourney last year? Like, this is a generational team for you. Oh my God, you got your pants pulled way down to the ankles and uh, it did not look good. So it's just an unserious program. Just I, I, I can't do it with Iowa. With that said... Hey, I'm excited to talk with my guy Andrew Wade of Locked on Hawkeyes next week to uh, preview Tuesday's game down in Iowa City. I hope Andrew's not listening to this podcast because I, I do adore uh, Andrew. Great guy. Fantastic guy. Anything I said mean about Iowa fans uh, does not apply to him. Just, all right, had to cover my... You know what there. Uh, all right, Greg writes in, and uh, you know what? This, this is a, a two-part question here, followed by a hot take, which I love. Greg asks, why do you pronounce it folks? That's right, you... Fabulous folks, you fine folks. Is it just to make me yell on my phone that it's folks every time you do? If so, congratulations. I'll tackle that question first. I say folks, uh, spelt lowercase f, lowercase o, capital L, lowercase uh, k, lowercase s. Uh, because it started as a bit. Just between friends. I don't know why. I just started uh, just laying down folks with the hardest L of all time. And eventually that bit just... It worked its way into my permanent diction now. Like, that's just how I say the word, and uh, my brain is permanently wired to say folks with the hardest L possible, and I'm very sorry that it annoys I genuinely am sorry it annoys you, because that, that, that this can't be fun um, just to hear a mispronounced word every single time you listen to the Locked on Spartans podcast, your team every day. But yeah, that's, that's a little backstory behind, um, I guess, my oddly wired brain there. Uh, so, and he asks a, a question that you probably all want to hear about. Seriously though, basketball talk. Do you think that Izzo brings Malik off the bench just so he can bolster that bench points graphic when, when they bring it up on CBS? Because we all know that Joey isn't going to be burning the house down if they were to start Hall. When Hall is on, it's really reminiscent of Mo Pete coming off the bench, although not to an all-American level. And I think it's just that. I think that you can stagger your lineups. Like the starting five... And this is a really bad week to use this example and talk about this, but that starting five that Michigan State has is fine enough to get you by. It's solid. When you go to the bench, at least you're bringing in another guy that you really trust to not take too far of a step back from your A guys to your bench guys. Whereas you start Hall, okay, MSU gets started off, you're up 10 to 6, it's great. And now your B unit is oh god it's it's Hauser oh my goodness it's Aikens it's uh, like it, it just isn't looking great. Whereas Hall he's a steady steady presence amongst those bench players, so that's that's why. And then Greg ends it with uh, he's got a hot take. AJ Hogard breaks into the top ten of assists for a season this year. He's averaging five assists per game this year, and they have at least nine more games counting the Big Ten tourney and Big Dance. He's averaging closer to 7 in the last 5 games, though. He's already got 120 assists this year, and needs 83 to tie Scott Skiles. That's incredible. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, sure. Let's let's get nuts. A.J. Hogarth to the moon. Um, yeah, listen, someone's got to be a, an A.J. Hogarth fan this week. And I, I listen, I, I don't feel good about it because I guarantee you on 
Hell, Saturday, he, he'll probably uh, go off for like uh, 15 points and 13 assists because that's just how up and down of a player he is. But, oh my god, it's just the roller coaster. He's driving me crazy, man. It's, uh, yeah, that's, and then that's just how we're going to end it, I guess. Just me just putting my face into my hands and shaking my head about uh, one of them. 13 players on Michigan State. That is a complete roller coaster to watch. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to Locked On Spartans. That's right. Your team every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network. We will be back. Like I said, breaking down the Illinois game. Got some more questions or any other news that breaks. We will hit you with it. Now, go make Locked On Bets your second listen. That's right. It's Locked On Bets. Hosted by your boy Q. With expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Free and available on all platforms. Love you all. Go Green.